stole my car. He just took my money and ran. So. Cool, let's do it. All right. So, here we are with the clap. I clapped. That was inadvertent, too. It was like... We could do... You know, with the internet lag, we could probably do clapping music without even having to try to shift the times. <laughs> that would probably be that much off just because of the latency that it would create a time. I wonder how much latency is it so far? Like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one. <laughs> I wonder where we're at. So, oh, it's probably terrible. But, uh, anyways, so we're on episode 36. We are diving into the fun topic, which is both super exciting to have done, and at the same time, when you look at all the options, it's like deer in headlights type of situation, and yeah, that's sure. getting a, a custom guitar built. <clears throat> so right. Tim is in the current uh, the shopping phase of it, and I have been there, done that on a, a couple of instruments right. uh, for myself. And I kind of so, did it before... But yeah. there was only one option, which was the Carvin that I got. Yep. Oh, I say well, there was one option. This was sort of very early days internet. Yeah. And uh, what was that, 2000 or so? Yeah, well, like so, when I got my Taylor. I didn't really know. Yeah. Yeah, like when I got my Taylor, that was pre internet. It was like 1996. So, okay. Pre web browsing internet. Pre Netscape. Sure. Was, so you could still get on the internet, but it was all text type of thing. Um,. But it was like uh, when I was shopping for a left-handed acoustic, it, it was either Martin or Taylor at the time. Yeah. And I went in, and I, it's like, well, I can't really play these things outside of, like, strumming some chords upside down, nothing really elaborate, whatever. And I was just – I looked at the prices, and they were comparable prices for roughly the same models. And then I, I was like, all right, well, let's order this one. And then Martin came back with a 10% upcharge on everything left-handed. Yeah. And I was like, well, what about Taylor? Taylor doesn't charge any upcharge. I'll go with the Taylor then. <laughs> you know, I was like, clearly, I was like, why would I give you an extra 10% sure. when I can get something comparable? Especially since you're going in blind in a, in a way when you're ordering Yeah, left-handed or custom period. Yeah, I guess it's you true. Know, yeah. Custom period, but like in one sense with left-handed models or anything, it's always blind. But... I yeah, got I a really so, nice Taylor. Yeah. So out of that, and that was like my big acoustic guitar purchase, which I think I paid like fifteen hundred bucks, right? In nineteen ninety six dollars, which is crazy to say. It makes you feel old to see that there was that much inflationary. Yeah. And what are they now? Like three thousand? No, the same model is four forty five hundred. Damn. The, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, really? For a Taylor? You know, it's like I let, don't get me wrong. I love my guitar. I would not pay forty five hundred dollars for that guitar. No yeah, way. Sure. How did I know that? Yeah, especially you when you can get, like we talked about earlier, you could get um, a custom one, like a real custom one. <laughs> exactly. You know, thanks to the one of the internet and that type of uh, um, easier accessibility to finding different luthiers and builders and not bigger ones. Like I remember, I ordered my tailor and I got it, and like six months later, I was at some hole-in-the-wall guitar shop outside of Rochester. I was going to visit my brother in Oswego or something. I don't know where I... No, I was just traveling with a buddy of mine that was another guitar player. We were going to Rochester. And they had Breedloves there. Yeah. And I was like, good God, if I would have seen these things before I got I a Taylor, I would have totally bought a Breedlove. And it was the same price point. You know, sure. for that, I was like, God, 
and I just I just had no idea. You know, it's funny. So I have the carbon I have, which I was looking to see if it was down here, but it's upstairs. The uh, it's koa, Mm -hmm. and it's koa body and a koa flame koa top. And the reason that I did that is because we had breed loves in the store that I was working at, and they had some koa ones, and they were they sounded amazing and they were stunning. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if this is gonna be the guitar. Yeah, that I get yeah. known for or something like I want it to look like this thing, you know. I, I love the way that it looks. But. Yeah, I, I remember looking at the Koa ones, but it, that was just like getting way. Now, too- now you really can't get Koa like any. No. It's so much more expensive. I think mm-hmm. it was like a hundred dollars more or something at the time. It really wasn't that crazy. Yep, yep. Um, that is exactly the way that it went. It went from like, oh, Koa is like. Not that much ex- more expensive, and then like five years into it, Koa got crazy. <clears throat> yeah, crazy. Um, so anyway, it's like w- the Taylor experience was definitely a, a blind order outside of you know strumming some stuff at, sure. a, at a store, and then the Breed Love was like we like, talked uh, left-handed. Like pretty much every guitar in here was completely blind ordered. Yeah, same thing with it. All, all I, there's mine. only one guitar I've ever bought that wasn't a blind order. Was it the Eastman? It was the Eastman because I went down the South Paul guitars yeah, and tried it. Yeah. yeah, it's the only one. Yeah, that uh, that I can't. I I I, I can't imagine that experience. Like, that, oh, I know. The, you I, figure that's the same experience that like every right-handed guitar player has. Every time they go to yeah. a music store, they're like, oh, let me just try some of these things out, and then they find maybe they find one or they didn't. But uh, yeah, for us, it's kind of like, well, okay, there's nothing. All right. Well, um, there's a squire just... that's been sitting there and hasn't been set up in seven years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the uh, now, like, I'll talk about my experience ordering my Thames, and then we can talk about like where you're at right now. Because when I jumped into school with mute for classical guitar, you know, I had the the Beater Yamaha, and was basically seeing like, am I really going to dive into this thing or not? Yeah. And looking at the price points on classicals was definitely more of a sticker shock than it was for anything else. Cause it was like, you know, a, a student model guitar was a thousand to 2000, maybe 2,500 bucks. Yeah. Would be like the high end for a student model. And then after that, you know, 3000 plus was your concert ones. And usually the good ones started at 5,500 and went up from there. Sure. And that uh, was like, Oh my Lord. Right. That's like, like like American dollars? Holy cow. Um, so anyways, like as I was going through this, and, and the nice thing was at the time is that there was this guy that would go to the different music schools that had like tons of classical guitars and just bring them in and you could try them. And he had like some of them that were flipped over, you know, for me to try out. And I tried them and it just wasn't love. You know, it was just kind of like, it's nice. I appreciate you flipping yeah. the strings, but I, I, I don't really like the guitar you know it's like not doing anything for me and so not for six thousand dollars yeah yeah exactly you know and i was like you know that i'm not gonna take a guitar that's 6k with flipped strings like i i can't see the utility with that yeah right um plus they are built different like there's bass support yeah with inside of it yeah right sure classical for sure uh and so it basically came down to checking out all these different builders and pricing stuff out, you know, and Humphrey and uh, what was the other big guy at the time? It starts with an R. I'm, I'm, all the classical guys are screaming at me right now through the podcast because <laughs> I, I can't remember it. He just recently passed. Ruck. 
That's it. Uh, there was Rux. There is, uh, I mean, everything. There's uh, Barnett was a maker. There was, uh, or, I mean, he still is. Um, and there was uh, all these different options of different ones that I could do. Um, my teacher happened to be acquaintances with Michael Thames, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, you should just check out the Thames guitars," you know. And then a lot of the students in the studio, like, ordered Thames and had Thames, and the the canon, quote unquote, like like firing cannon not musical form or or star wars biblical religious canon thing <laughs> whatever anyway yeah. losing my or dune right yeah go ahead yeah, or yeah. dune or dune um but the the canon as we dubbed it was a 630 inch scale uh thames that was just ridiculously loud like it was say, say that again what was the first part you said 630 what 630 what does that mean in other words, well, on a classical, yeah, I suppose it be, should be a little bit more enlightening. So classical guitar standard length for the neck is 650 millimeters. Oh, okay. Uh, so when you can get them built, you can, if you wanted to, you can get them built smaller. And this, uh, she uh, had uh, uh, hers built to 630 because her hands weren't that big. And she's like, I'll just build it smaller. And dude, that thing was like crazy loud. It was stunningly loud. Like it was... It was but not yeah, but not like throaty or whatever. Just beautifully yeah. loud, yeah. Yeah, just beautifully loud. Not like, yeah. not like loud, like just cranked up volume. It right. had sensitivity, it had everything to it. It was remarkable, and that kind of had me lean over. And when I heard it compared to a Demon, which is like a forty thousand um, dollar level guitar, you know that I have it, a few of those back there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got six. They're just in the closet. I don't bother. Uh, but anyways, the. Uh, it's like they both were played in the concert hall because of a master class, and the Thames yeah. was just like destroying it. Dang it, you're to be that, one of my want one of these. Yeah, who knows? You know. Um, but anyways, so that uh, that display there. Now, granted, the difference was is that Thames was like a couple of years old, and the Damon was like pretty much new. Yeah. Uh, so at that time, and so that's like okay, break in time, so on, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, and I've heard some wonderful Damons and uh, higher-end uh, classicals like Wagner's and so on, and Tacky's and whatever. But so, but those all those guitars were like way out of the price range. Like I am not spending forty thousand dollars on a guitar when I'm going to college for classical. You know, if, yeah, sure. if I had a recording contract and was touring, different story. But uh, anyways, so that pushed me to. You know, order my Thames, and I did. I put the thing together. You know, there was uh, three of us that ordered them all at the same time. Did you get glue uh, and like sticks or whatever? No, I'm just kidding. You, you said you put it together. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, no, no, I put it together like what I wanted in terms of like a top and sides and so on. And I originally ordered it with a 650 inch or 650 uh, millimeter scale because that was like the standard. Yeah. And then my buddy who ordered at the same time, he's like, "Well, I got mine 640." And he had bigger hands than I did. And I'm like, dude, your hands are bigger than mine. Why the hell would you do it six? There's no point in you going 640. It's not that hard. And he's like, why make it harder? Like, just take, make it easier. I'm like, that's a good idea. So I did. <laughs> it's like, I, I called him up. I'm like, is it too late to change it? And he's like, no, not at all. You know, and it took like a, a year or so to get it built. And uh, that, it's it. we got, so I, I, I break guitars. So I have a, I've never asked you about this, which is kind of cool. So in the classical world, sort of about half of the guitars are cedar and half are spruce tops. Yep. 
right? And spruce a little bit brighter, probably a slightly, slightly more resonate resonant maybe. Um, but then I don't know. Anyway, what what made you choose spruce? Because I spruce. think you you were playing a cedar. Was that was that part of it too? You're like. I'm ready to move on to something else. <laughs> no, um, honestly, I do remember a bit about that because there, we we all went back and forth. In fact, one of the guys ordered two Thames, one spruce, one cedar. Um, I ended up eventually selling the cedar and keeping the spruce. But uh, I honestly, I didn't hear that big of a difference between the cedar and the spruces Yeah, when guys were playing them. Um, I like the cosmetic look of the spruce. Was the first thing. Uh, I my tailor is a spruce top. That was the what's, other thing. What's the sides on your Thames? On the Thames, it's Indian or Brazilian rosewood. Okay. On both, so I got. I so what's tip? What's typical? I mean, yeah. Well, I guess what's typical on classicals for sides? Tip, typical is usually Indian rosewood. So they are usually rosewood, though. Yeah. Regar- rosewood. Regardless, if it's cedar top or. Regardless, spruce. Okay. Now that was when I was ordering. No, maho- like mahogany's not common. No, Maple, seen. maple's not common. Let me put an asterisk on that. On the concert level, mahogany, no. Okay. Like I, I've seen it on like you know an agile eight string, like a mahogany back and sides for a nylon string, but I can't see that working well for a classical because the, the weight would suck. <laughs> like it would be pretty heavy because mahogany. I don't know. Weird. I mean, it's still going to be pretty. I mean, rosewood. I don't think super light. It's not super light, but it's definitely not as heavy as mahogany. But the other thing too. I mean, but uh, think think like a like a J forty five. They're not very heavy. That's the Gibson. Yeah, those are big guitars too. They're not. They're not yeah. heavy. Probably once why. once once it's like you know it's this thin. It's like it doesn't really weigh that much. Okay. Anyway, I I, I I I was just oh, curious. Yeah. No, it, it, that it's a good question because. Um, a lot of the other, I guess you could, well, they were exotic at the time, like Coca-Bola and uh, Babinga and all these other new African woods yeah. that were coming out to the fore because of the shift away from Brazil. Mainly, one, the environmental laws regarding the trees and the rainforest in Brazil happened. R- Brazilian roads would just tighten, dried up, you know, like nobody was getting it because they had to wait for the farms to catch up. Sure. Uh, growing it and so on. So the price skyrocketed. Uh, and the availability shrank. You know, it was a, it was a triple thing, uh, a triple hit with it. It was just extraordinarily tough to get, super expensive, and then you had to navigate all the uh, environmental. So, so that, that actually answers another question I had, which is, so like as I'm looking, and a lot of the builders for like arch tops and stuff, they got access to like old wood, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying to remember which builder it was. The guy that but they like the- they they bought like somebody had they gave it to them or they bought it like who or who had wood stuff. from like fifty years ago sixty years ago yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah, already yeah. old mm-hmm. and now they have it and so it's like this it's like the ultimate wood in a lot of ways right because the wood like we talked about PRS last week but it's like the resins have to be all you know hard or whatever they're all dried out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna ask if you had looked at that at all with, um, you know, did, well, how old's the wood that you have? Because you just no, mentioned, I, you mentioned like, oh, there, there's new trees. So 
new trees no, is probably not better in a way, right? So it's like you have to get I, I, sort of older wood. You know, here's one of the big things that um, it's kind of a, like it's a diminishing returns on guitars because everybody like prizes these 1940s Martins as being like these incredible instruments, and they are collectors yeah. just because of the age. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're great sounding guitars anymore. Like there's a there's things where it's like usually you get like ten years is your peak for an acoustic instrument, and then it kind of just levels. It doesn't grow anymore. It kind of just stops Interesting. where it's at, and it can start to decline. Which um, that, Do you think that's uh, true or not? Have you tried I, any vintage guitars? The only thing vintage before I got my Thames, I was borrowing somebody's old Martin nineteen sixties. I'm thinking uh, about this. This is a 67 uh, Gretsch Corvette. Yeah. Yep. And like the wood on here is different than every guitar I have. Oh, yeah. It, it's oh, mahogany. Yeah. And uh, it's really light, by the way. Um, <laughs> you got to drive that pro point home. But like. Light, Keeler. Well, light. it's. I mean, it is light. Um, and it just. It has a certain like. There's, you can tell it's dry. Like if that makes sense. No, like, that makes sense. There's a there's a vibe about it. Yeah. And I should really set it up nice, but um I don't know, like I, I guess when I see this thing and the way that it feels in my hands and the way that it vibrates, like the, I don't really get like the neck, the way it resonates, I know you can't really hear it. But it's near it. It just sounds like um it sounds good. You know, yeah. it's it sounds like it's resonant and like oh like there's like there's a quality about it that I don't know that I've ever seen a newer guitar replicate. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't I didn't mean to harp on it, but No, I don't think you're harping on it at all. It's a good uh question and point. You know, that's what they say about that's the reason why um, like the sixties strats. Yeah, why do like the sixties and fifties less Pauls and strats like, why are they magical? And it's because yeah. that was the point where they were still using old wood. But then they ran out around, like, the, the early 60s sometime. Or, like, I would say, like, Gibson and Fender ran out, at least. Yeah. And then they started using new wood, and they weren't really as good. Hmm. Right? Now, when he, we, we, like, we talked about Paul Reed Smith last week, and he was talking about how he figured out... Like they've been figuring out for years how to like dry the wood the right way so you can get that resonance or whatever. And perhaps if I had, you know, if I had Paul here and he was like, here, check this out. This will be just like that Gretsch. Just check this out. Like knock on it. You'll be able to hear the difference. Mm -hmm. And then even like the K line, he's very, this, this guitar is super resonant, um, which I've demonstrated on here before. Yeah. It, I can tell the the body is somewhat similar to that, and he, mm -hmm. but he was really picky about those woods, or the the wood that he used. Right, the neck, a little bit too actually. Um, and this is the only other guitar I've personally played with that has a similar vibe in that respect. Um, I would, and that's the problem. Like I noticed with the Carvins, they play really nice. Um. But they don't have that vibe. I don't know. It's like a, it's a thing. You, no, you can I, really I, hear it. Like you just knock on the wood, and you're like, okay, this is. There's something different about this wood when I knock on it. 
I didn't mean to sidetrack too much, but it's an interesting no, thing. Like no. when you're, <laughs> this is where my head is right now as I'm looking at like stuff. I'm like, gosh, maybe it's worth paying the extra for that because I, I feel like I have evidence that the old wood is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to turn this off now. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> you tip your waitress on the way out. Um, but the, uh, no, but um, sir, you bring up a good point about like the old wood and the dryness factor because that's yeah. one of the things that like Thames builds his in the middle of the desert, New Mexico. Sure. Like he's like, you don't have to <laughs> it's worry already about It's dry like by the time it hits the shop. It's, it's, Exactly. He's, He's like, like, I just let it sit outside for like, I don't know, two days. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things that he said. He's like, you don't have to worry about humidifying my guitars. In fact, I would, uh, and he'll, he might correct me when he, he gets onto the podcast, but um, he's like, yeah, I would watch the humidity in it, you know, because like I have none. <laughs> and it's going to like, if, if I was sending it to Florida, I'd put silica gel packets in the thing, you know, just to kind of compensate because it goes to an extremely humid environment versus sure. where I'm from. And, uh, you know, there's advantages to that, obviously, of like, oh, I don't have to worry about it really cracking that much. But there's disadvantages of that, of the, tense, the, the chance of the wood warping because of the crazy humidity shift. Um like with the Thames, when mine got soaked when I was traveling on a specific airline that I'll be nice and not name, uh, that uh, got, literally they, like I had to put it underneath the plane. I was playing my brother-in-law's wedding, uh, or stepbrother's wedding. God, I get all that confused. Stepbrother's wedding. Say so it was your brother-in-law. Wasn't that be your sister's wedding? <laughs> yeah, the sister that I don't have. Yeah, that one. <laughs> wait, did, that's, that's what I came up with. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute stepbrother so uh his i was playing his wedding and uh on the way back i was like the last person on the plane because i was flying standby and they wouldn't even let me try to put it above they're like it's got to go underneath yeah like we're already packed yeah yeah, and i'm like all right fine you know so i i did that and it was like a torrential downpour there in my layover in uh New York, I think it was, and in uh, Cleveland. It was just downpouring. You know, so I get the, the guitar comes off the conveyor belt. I open the thing out up, the case, and there's a puddle in the guitar. Like, because it was laid, it wasn't laid upright in the case. It was laid topside down. So Dang. the lip was just taking in all the water. If it was the other way around, it would have been fine. You know, but, you know, it, it's some guy in the thing so i dude i almost got arrested i was like furious uh, I, I i lost my stuff you know the threat of arrest calmed me down uh but for good reason it was like my undergrad and my collegiate career my music career and everything else were were riding on this instrument and here it is with a puddle in it and the top was warped like ridges i was like what in the uh, I'm getting heated. Just the memories. Are, it's been <laughs> ten years at least, um, but I still just. Ah, oh man, that, that suck. So, yeah, yeah, dude. I was. I, I lost my shit. It, that's the only way to put it. I just went absolutely berserk, and the threatening of arrest and putting me into a, a room and sitting me down kind of got me to calm down. And then I called uh, called Thames, and he's like, "Listen, he's like, I'll take a look at it, but this is what I want you to do." Open the case up. Put, put a lot of rice in there. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost. He's like, open it up. Fill it with rice. 
fill it with rice. <laughs> That'll do it. No, it, it, but the same principle is there. He's like, just open it up, leave it in the case, leave the strings on it, leave everything as it is, and set it by event, and don't touch it for about a week. And over the course of that week, I mean, the puddle I dumped out, whatever, because obviously. Uh, but the, over the course of the week, all the ridges flattened out. He's like, you know, I, I bend this into a particular shape when it's completely dry. And he's like, most likely, if you keep, especially if you keep it in the case, it's going to keep the shape on the back and the sides. And the top will just level itself out and you should be fine. And sure enough, within a week and a half, it was totally fine. You know, I still sent it to him to get double checked. I'm like, yeah. let me send it to you because otherwise I'm going after the airline, uh, which I had the right to do at that particular thing, regardless of the legal loopholes. So that, um, so he checked it out and he's like, you're, you're in good shape. There's, there's nothing structurally wrong with it. It's not doing anything bad. You know, I don't see anything potentially coming up with it. He's, uh, he did say that it's probably a lot more sensitive to humidity now, for obvious reasons. That uh, <laughs> it just took a bath when it, it shouldn't do. Um, so just pay. It, it's it, ever since then I've been humidifying it, and I did end up getting a slight crack on the back, hmm. but it's a cosmetic one, not a uh, structural one. So it's nothing really to worry about. It's about like that long, and you have to really angle it to see it. And he said I could send it to him to fix it, and he's like, I'll make it so it's like not even there. But he's like, honestly, it's not going to affect the sound in any way, shape, or form. It's just going to be like it. He's like, if it starts to grow at a really fast rate, then send it, and you know, we'll nip it where it's at. Yeah. But otherwise, that's it. And that was kind of it, you know. So uh, the advantage of having it built in the, the desert, and like, plus, I mean, the advantages of getting it built by a smaller maker are one, you talk to them, like. Sure. I was in touch with Thames the entire time while this guitar was being built, emailing back and forth. Everything was great, you know, super professional. Plus, it's like it's it's uh, it's like talking to the guy that's making your kid, you know, in one sense. I got or I don't know. <laughs> that's a really weird analogy, but uh, you know, it's uh, putting my ear up to the luthier's belly and talking to the baby. Yeah, sure. I mean, that, I guess that's a worthwhile point. Is that most of these guys they're only making you know a dozen of these a year yeah you know and uh or thereabouts a dozen 20 maybe uh, mm -hmm. maybe six you know depending on the pricing or whatever yeah but uh it's like yeah they really get to know and i know like so as i'm looking a lot of the people that i'm talking to they're kind of like well yeah, this is kind of the basic points, but I really like to get to know the people that I'm building with, find out what your preferences are so we can tweak it to make sure that you're really happy when you get it. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. What a cool experience that, and by the way, that's not how I mentioned the carbon thing and the, and the Taylor thing, right? That's not how those work. Yeah. No, that was, those like are like made to oh, yeah. order or whatever kind of things. You just pick woods and stuff that's and you, you hope that you, you hope that you pick good and, they make fine quality stuff. Um, yeah, I wasn't worried about the quality control with the tailor yeah. that much. I knew what I was getting and where it was going to come in at. Like when I was, but when I was dropping like sixty five hundred dollars, my my attention was much much more yeah, right. than it was on the tailor. Whether or not it was nineteen ninety six dollars is not the point. Sixty five hundred is a lot of money. And um, so without, well, you can go into details if you want. So. Knowing you back then, and then knowing whatever, I'm imagining there's a lot. And then I guess this is kind of where I am because I've never really had like a real 
arch top, and this is one of the things I'm looking at, at least. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what to ask for, right? I know what I want, like, from a high level. Like, I like more woody-sounding guitars, and I like... I like super resonant guitars that are very dynamic and loud and blah, blah, blah. But in terms of like, well, and I know that I like wider necks and I like flatter fingerboards mostly. Um, so there's certain things I do know, but there's a lot of stuff I don't necessarily know. So I'm wondering with how you built that, is there things you would ask for different next time around? Now, and I guess what I'm saying is, I know we were both pretty early in our classical guitar world at the time <laughs> that you ordered that, um, and you've obviously gone zillions of times farther than I did, but uh, I wouldn't have known what to order at that time. Um, I would have just, any like anything would have been better than what I had in a lot of yeah, ways. Exactly. Yeah. So it's well, like, well, is there things that you would have picked you think different, or if you would do another one, are you like, oh maybe I would go with a cedar top or maybe I'd, I wish the fretboard was slightly longer, shorter, wider. I wish the frets were taller, shorter. I wish, uh, blah, 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 you know, whatever it was. Yeah. I think in terms of the options, um, I didn't know exactly how much in detail I could get. Like I just figured I'd order the standard size snack and that was it. Like, yeah. That's the big thing that out of all the things that I customized, that was the big thing that was like, I was really gunning for. Once I found out you could do that, it's like, wait a minute, it comes in pints. <laughs> I'm going to get one. You know, it's, <laughs> it was, I didn't realize I could shrink the size of the neck because my hands are you know, a little bit bigger than average, but not huge. Sure. Um, so, and I can play in a 650. And obviously I was, but as soon as my buddy with bigger hands was like, yeah, I want to make it harder. I'm like, uh, shout out to Steven Sloan on that one. But it, it was like, why the heck? That's a brilliant point. So it whoop, you know, went over and, and it's like, hey, let's make it shorter. And in retrospect, I'd go even smaller. I'd do a 630. You know, the, the counterpoint to that is like down tuning turns the, the low, you can turn it into mush. I mean, it's already nylon string. So going to a drop D is getting pretty, you know, pretty flabby. Yeah, and just, it's not very loud, right? And like, yeah, it's, it was all it, projection. You, you, that's why, you know, if you're playing something in drop D, you're moving your thumb closer to the bridge to get those uh, notes playing. But that being said, you know, that's something that you have to look out for when you get a shorter scale length because the, 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 ten, the tension, uh, no, the tension doesn't drop, but it's a matter of because of that, that lower string isn't going to get enough length out of it to keep the tension up comparatively. Um, so I guess I contradicted myself a little bit on the tension dropping, but it's not that big of a deal. Not as big as you'd think it is. It's not like I'm going down to a B, you know. Uh, sure. I mean, I mean, at least does the tension drop? I think it does, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I it's mean, because it's like playing a Gibson versus a Strat. Usually what people do is like, say you use typically 10s on a Strat, then you would use 11s on a Gibson to have a similar feel kind yeah. of idea. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. just because they're so, shorter. Like in terms of things that, are, other than that, you know, the big things that that when I ordered it was like, what do you want for the top and the back and the sides? That's the big question. Yeah, sure. And uh, I went with the the Engelmann spruce top, which has a nice bear claw in it. You know, that's a that looks where it looks like all those V's. It's like that's a, the mythos is a bear was clawing the wood type of thing, so they got the bear claw, and then. 
the back and the sides uh, were just, you know, I'll take the, the rosewood. Okay, great. You know, um, the uh, the next mahogany with a uh, the ebony fretboard, and it's it's incredibly balanced. Like you could just hold it like with your put the neck where it joins the body and just hold it out, and it would just like sit there, which is awesome. It's it's great, and that's the one difference with the barnet that I have, where it has a truss rod, is that it's very neck heavy comparatively. Yeah. Um, still relatively comfortable, and the barnet's a little bit larger. Uh, plus, I think that ordering the 640 had the body a little slightly smaller as well. Um, and that's the interesting thing, too, is the uh, same guy, Thames, built a uh, period instrument for another uh, friend of mine, um, Gary Stewart, phenomenal player. And he was doing a period album of, like, you know, all 19th century works. Yeah. And on a parlor guitar. So he had Thames build him a copy of a Torres, who was, like, one of the... Uh, founding luthiers of guitars at the time, built them a copy of it. And this thing, you know, it's a, what we would consider a, like a, a little bit bigger than a half size guitar, like it, super tiny. But the thing was so loud. Like I did all the engineering work on the album and we were recording in this church in the middle of downtown Barberton. And I was just like, this is crazy. I would never, ever expect that guitar to sure. fill the room as much as it did. And it was gigantic. And I mean, he had no fingernails. Like he was doing it completely uh, that style. No fingernails, would dip his fingers in olive oil before he would pluck, you know, just to make sure that the, the strings, he would play off the strings. And he got full gut strings. So it, I was, it was remarkable how loud it was from what I was expecting. That and just on a, another quick side note, the timbre of it was closer to a piano than it was to a guitar. Sure. Like it, it was just, the lack of nails made it so much softer in terms of like harshness, but also fuller. Right. Like you got some weird harmonics or something happening. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It was very odd. It, it, I remember just sitting there looking at it being like, that shouldn't sound like that. I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect that. But it sounded phenomenal. You know, it was great. You know, it, it, uh, it was just like looking at a guitar and hearing what was coming out. You were like, what is going on? What was that that Paul Reed Smith thing um, on his uh, TED talk? He's like, I've tried some of these like famous guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he's yeah. like, a few of them. You like, you strum it, and you're like, what? Like, how is this yeah. sound like this? Like, this doesn't seem even possible. Like, there's magic in this guitar. Like, how? How does and it sound one- like that? If, if I can be a little bit apocryphal in the sense of like, I'm not sure if this is exactly what Thames and everybody was talking about, but uh, at the, like saying uh, they were talking about the Torres, it's like whatever they did with the bracing or something like that back then just made it boom. Like it, it's crazy how loud I, I, I can't get over it. Like it, it's louder than the, mine right now. And that's not knocking the quality of mine. It's just saying that like that sure. one was uh, such a, responsive instrument it was crazy um i know we were talking um, the murray coon guitars and yeah. i know we were we found it pretty interesting because you go to his website there's a he's one of those people like some of the luthiers right are trying all kinds of weird crazy stuff some use like carbon fiber so they can make the top like thinner or whatever and yeah. um <clears throat> yeah and I, there was one that was like more like it sounded like a grand piano like kind of thing yep and i think we're yep. both looking at that like oh that's exactly what i want <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like, 
Um, yeah, I, I'm, I find that stuff really interesting. Like, how did they build it? Like, different things. Because obviously some guitars are louder than others. And guitar is a pain because it's so quiet. You know. Yeah, it's um, just, and I say that to all my students. They're like, "It's not that loud," and I'm like, "It's not gonna be loud. Like, you're never it, gonna get." A, I'm like, "Listen, you're, you can spend fifteen grand on an acoustic guitar, and that flute player is gonna drown you out sure. with their little thing they bought from you know the the corner music store, right. thirty dollars on Amazon, right? It's just the nature of the instrument. That's it. that's it. You can't really, uh, you can't fight that thing. Uh, that's just the way that it is." But you can get pretty stinking. You can push it so that it's going to be clear at everything, and that's kind of like where you get to a point with these high-end instruments. You know, if you're spending thirty k on a Wagner, you're going to get an instrument where, like, I remember seeing um, uh, Steve Aaron play his Wagner with an accordion player, like doing a duet, and I'm like. Pfft. Are you Mike, Steve? He's like, no. I'm like, oh, we're never going to hear you. Forget it. You're playing against an accordion. That's, that's, right. that's not going to happen. But sure as hell, dude, that guitar easily held its own. And he was playing fourth fret harmonics, you know, like where it was getting pretty precariously hard to, one, project it, let alone sure. get over an accordion. And it was like, it was right there. You could hear it crystal clear. So there's obviously something to that level. But... um you know, in going back to the the question about like what would I do now compared to then, is I think if I was ordering another guitar, six thirty double top and a raised fretboard, easily. So ex like explain the double top for people. Yeah. yeah. So traditionally, uh, tops are one piece of wood, solid the entire way through, thinner or thicker depending on the maker, with different type of bracings on it. And then I, I want to say it was like the the mid to late 90s where somebody came up with an idea of doing two thin layers of wood with a nomex sheet which is like some type of obviously synthetic material kind of done in like a um a honeycomb in between right. it and the wood would be glued to both there'd be a top wood and a bottom wood on that thing so it'd be a double top it'd have two and often they would literally use cedar and spruce you know, a cedar on the inside or whatever, however you wanted it. But you get both. Uh, the, the allure was you'd get both tonal characteristics of it. I don't think that really was uh, it happened in the in the in the projection. But the under other thing from an engineering perspective is that bracing was so stiff comparatively to the wood that it would allow more vibrations, which would in turn push more air and make more of a have a more dynamic of a range and be louder. And yeah. from what I've heard, most of them, that is absolutely the case. Sure. There's the, the point of the Canon, the Thames one that we were talking about, that easily had a tone against a double top and was super loud. But uh, there's other one, there's other double tops that I've heard that are just, just crazy good, like Steve's, like Jason Vio's Wagner, you know, and it's, a, it's just like th th those guitars just project like crazy. And those are all double tops. There's this other guy that I saw, Lukasz, uh, I'm, I don't remember his last name, and I'm not even going to bother to try. He's from Poland, and his was double top, double back, and double sides. Like the whole thing was doubled. Um, he's like the guitar and he plays it, and he's like. <laughs> He just sits there and shakes, you know, for a while. <laughs> Done playing, or is he still shaking? Yeah. Um, that guitar sounds fantastic, you know. But he's like, it weighs an absolute ton. And double mm. top, and uh, well, double tops are notoriously 
uh, sensitive to any type of contact. Like, because oh. the wood is much, much thinner than it would be on a, on a regular. You mean stuff like your arms resting on it? Not necessarily the arm resting, but like, you know, if you, you hit it with your nails, you're going to leave some dents type of oh. thing. So um, it's not. It's not like if you just like lightly tap it, you're going to get something, but it's definitely more prone to pick stuff up than a solid top. Yeah. Just because of the thickness of it, you know, it, uh, and, and the level of indentation. So like, I'd want one because of the protection factor is the big thing. It's like, if it can protect louder, great. Um, the raised fingerboard and the classical world is, you know, generally our fingerboard is exactly flush the entire way and, including where it meets the body. There's not like a huge difference. It's basically sure. the neck wood. Like the ebony layer is the same the entire way across. Uh, and when it hits the body, it just kind of like rests above it and that's it. There's this thing in that, uh, I don't remember who came up with it exactly, but they angle the top of the guitar so that it is lower at the neck joint so that you have literally the fingerboard is like, you know, a, a half inch to three quarters of an inch off of the soundboard. Yeah. That's how the Eastman I have is. Yeah. Um, but by off of the soundboard, I don't mean that it's not making contact. I mean that it's uh, just the soundboard is coming down and the fingerboard is up. And there's a lot of advantages to that because, one, easier access to the higher frets. Like the classical guitar next makes contact at the 12th fret, which makes anything about the 12th fret a little bit more tricky to play. Sure. Obviously, it can be done, but like you know, you get into elaborate chord setups up there. It's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Not not easily. It's super uncomfortable. You're taking your thumb off the back and doing all this right. other stuff. It'll work, but it's not ideal. So this double top solves that problem, or not the double top. The the raised fretboard solves that problem because it pushes it out more, which makes it a lot easier to access the thing. Sure. It's like kind of like a pseudo hybrid cutaway type of thing without having a cutaway. Uh, and the reason we don't do that on concert guitars with cutaways is because they think that it takes away from the volume, which in one sense on the physics end, yes, I'd agree because you're losing body uh, mass in that sense. But at the same time, I, there's not that many high-end classical guitars that are built with a cutaway to really demo and be like, well, that's louder and that's not. Yeah, and sure. it, doesn't happen. Uh, cutaways are a, a big faux pas with the classical guitar. Well, and you consider, too, like how much louder some classical high-end guitars are than others. It's like, how could you... Like, how do you know that the one that you built with the cutaway wasn't the really good one? Or, you know, or not good, but louder. Um, yeah. Vice exactly. versa, yeah. It's, it's so, and in this case, I think it's more of the traditional aesthetics that win that battle. It's like... So, no uh, before I forget... Um, did you ask Thames why his guitars were louder? No, not at all. That that question never came up. It was more of a build me something amazing, please. Yeah, sure. My own mentality. I was like, I, I trusted the guy, and and I still do. And I'd probably get my next. I'm planning if I ever get another guitar to go through him and have another one. You know, it's like yeah, there's a lot of other builders out there, but. I don't want to go through building another relationship. You know, in one sense, it's like, I'm already married to this guy. I might as well just keep going back. Um, well, especially you know. since you like it. and yeah, Exactly. I like some it. some rapport. Yeah. There's a rapport. Uh, I know the work that he does is consistently at a high level. Like, he's done a lot of work with Matthew Palmer, who's a phenomenal classical virtuoso. And he's built him several guitars. So it's like, clearly his guitars are good. Um, which I knew that from what I've owned, but... 
you know, I'd want a little bit more whirly bangs the next time, as I knew the other things. So that'll push up the price a little bit. And Thames also does, has. Does he do double tops? Yeah, he does do double tops. In fact, he did like a. He's now got a CNC machine, and he's taking a lot of the stuff that he's learned by hand and done that into the programming aspect sure. of it. And it's particularly on the double tops because he's not buying the Nomex sheets; he's carving it out of another wood. You know, using that. Um, CNC machine to just kind of like cut it out so it's really precise but it's still like like the whole thing of uh, well why are you charging so much now that you're not cutting it by hand it's like well because I have 40 years of experience you know sure. and I know what I'm doing and if I didn't have that this thing wouldn't be programmed the way that it's programmed to do the thing you know uh, and it plus it's you know the wood is so much thinner it's kind of nice to have the machine do that and uh, rather than be I sneeze and screwed it all up you know uh, yeah, that reminds me of the guy I play with a lot, Paul Stranahan. He got a marimba built, um, and the guy that he got a built with, I might have told you about this. Like, if the like, it takes a while to get one. It takes like a year and a half or so. And some of that is just if he doesn't find the right piece of wood for like the G sharp or whatever on the third octave or whatever, like he won't give it to you. Like he'll wait until he finds the right piece of wood that sounds just right. And, uh, I guess I'm bringing that up. Like that's the experience thing you're, you're spending money on. That's why you spent, yeah. like he's, I think it was like 20 grand basically for this thing. And, uh, it's like, that's what you're buying. Like whether it was cut out of whatever, however, if it was a machine that did it or they did it, like, how does, how does he know that that one wasn't right? You know? Because of that experience. That's exactly... Uh, I meant to mention this before. I went to a local guy up in Medina who was a luthier, and he was doing work on my guitars. But uh, he sh walked me around the shop, and he would hold up different pieces of wood and tap on it. He's like, you know, this is, you can hear it. He's like, yeah. this I would use. This, this I would use for this type of instrument, you know, and just like the, tapping on it and see where it would resonate and so on, uh, just as it was. And you could hear the difference just with like a, a slab of, or not a slab, but it's, you know, a quarter inch piece of maple versus a quarter inch piece of rosewood or cedar or spruce. You yeah. know, he's holding up and you could, you could hear the difference like right away, uh, just the physical characteristics, which was really eye opening as to how sensitive the, uh, the materials were and how they would respond later on. Sure. You know, that, uh, you yeah, know, I think and, that's where like the K line, I think like that's what he does. And I know I saw like LSL instruments. Um, there's a Carl Verhagen, um, who's a studio guy, a really good guitar player. He's and he has a LSL model. He went to their shop and there's like a hundred things of like alder sitting on this thing, like hundred blanks. And the guy's like, He's like, yeah, he did the same thing, kind of like knocking on it. And he's like, I'll oh, check that out, see how resonant it is or whatever. And then he's like, yeah, we're going to actually throw out the rest. <laughs> like, like he's like, we get us, we get a thing of like a hundred of these or whatever. And like one of them's good. Yeah. You know, that, one that, of them's good enough for us, basically. There, there's a difference. Yeah. Whereas a mass manufacturer would be like, all these are guitars. Yeah, right. These, we'll make all these. Yeah. Yeah. The little guy's like, nope, we're going to find that one out of this that's to our level and we're going to keep that and the rest right. go away. And, that, and that's part of the price too. It's like, well, they, they had to buy a hundred of those to find the one that was good for you. Right. Yeah. They had the ears to hear that difference. 
and the the experience to know where to knock because where you knock it is it the same thing it's like i noticed that when he was doing that and it's funny that i can recall these details it just shows you how obsessed i am with the instruments you know it's like it wasn't like random it was like you always hit the same four spots you know you hold up another one the same four spots another one the same four spots type of thing you know and that uh, consistency kind of shows where that's going to go and yeah. it's um it's like that whole thing where they take those boards and throw the graph right on it and play different frequencies and see what frequencies come out at different spots because they've done that in order to design bracing on, on a guitar. That's uh, my kids wild, are still wild monsters in the background. Yeah, the kids are still doing their thing, but like that. Um, <laughs> the, the whole different variation on the top and the bracings that go into that and how much they shave down the bracing uh, and, and all that factors into how good the instrument's going to be in the long run. And that takes time. You know, you don't, you don't want some guy slapping out the bracing like in an hour and you're like, Oh yeah, I just, you know, just had a little spare time. There it is. It's done. It's like, no, you want the guy that's going to take like three days to car carve one brace type of thing. And is constantly tapping on it and seeing, you know, what's going to be ideal for the response on the wood that he's sure. got. There. And all those things go into it. So it's like, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. I just trust the guy that's got the experience behind it. And what's interesting is like my guitar is like smack dab in the middle of Tem's numbers of guitars that he's built. So it's like, I'm like, 571 he said that he's like over 1100 now so it's just like dang that's that's a lot of guitars uh yeah you think about what uh, what you've learned too right yeah the amount of knowledge that you've put in from day one to like where you're at now it's like that's insane and you know what's interesting though when i was doing it it was kind of like all right, I know I'm going to spend this much money. I know I'm going to work my butt off to get it and get everything set, da-da-da-da-da. And I have my options kind of set. But there wasn't, like, a whole lot of, like, accessibility to finding guys in Europe, finding guys on the other side of the sure. planet. We're kind of running into now. So I think, like, in one sense, my end, my decision was a little bit easier because I didn't have so many different options. It was just going to be like this, this, and done. Like, But in sure. your case you're searching for an electric it's like do you want a semi-hollow and it's an arch top you know that yes i guess at least i know i want a hollow full a real full hollow um but yeah like you said like there's builders in the u.s builders in europe builders in south africa um or wherever else um in japan and yet now they're easy to get to and there's enough no knowledge like on the internet or whatever to get a general sense for whether they're good or not you know um and actually it's it's kind of hard to find any that are bad in a way right like and, that's and, a, and i don't know if that's good that might be a bad thing too and the more i think about it because kind of like <laughs> yeah it, you know so if you spend 20 grand on a guitar let's just say like and you still have it and you didn't try to like give it back <laughs> then you have to justify like oh this is the greatest thing that's ever existed right like that would be just your way of rationalizing why you just spent 20 grand on a guitar yeah um but saying that yeah i think i've honed in the like a lot of the builders at least in relative price range that i would be okay with i think the um, other thing is that just real quick yeah. with that, 
thing on the internet making it seem like all these guitars are phenomenal and the ease of accessibility. The counterpoint to that is that also if some if the guy was building garbage guitars, you'd know. That's like, that's a fair point. Yeah, it would be like the the it, it was one of the things that I found out when I was like some of my students at at the college desperately need guitar work done on their instruments. It's like this needs to set up. You know, you're playing. I mean, seriously, the action's this high. You need, and I'm like, I I drive an hour and a half, so it's not like I know the area really relatively well to be like, oh yeah, go take it to this place. You know, sure. like I know a guy in Maslin, uh, or Mansfield, and it's like I know a guy there that I would always take my guitars to, but that's 45 minutes from you. You know, it's like it's a half. I literally, if I'm gonna get it's an hour and a half from me, yeah, it's like he's like the halfway point between me and the college. So I'm like, I usually drive and drop it off to him on my way in and then go home, uh, whatever. But the uh, so while we were looking through, it's like, well, there's this guitar shop in the middle of downtown Mount Vernon, which is like 10 minutes. And I'm like, you know, I can't recommend that they're good or they're not good or they're going to jip you or whatever. I have no idea. But then then again, I go, if there's one thing that anybody will scream about is if somebody screwed up the guitar. It's like if that you took somebody just took the guitar to this guy and he did something bad to it, we'd know. It would be all over the place if you searched for that guitar shop. So, sure. given that they got like a five star rating and and like a hundred and some odd reviews, I'm guaranteeing he probably does pretty decent work, especially when you're looking for a setup. You're not looking to like have like a neck or a, a broken headstock put back on. Sure. You know? So. I think that kind of that same mentality or that same rule applies to ordering guitars over the internet. You know, if somebody pays eight grand and they ain't happy about it, you're going to find it. Now, the other counterpoint to the counterpoint is that somebody out there is not going to be happy with an $8,000 guitar. Like that's just what they're, and they're going to bitch about it. That's just, they could be their personality or they're going to have yeah. an issue and you're going to be, it, it's like, well, I searched this on the internet and I got, I found all these things. It's like, well, what did you expect? You told, you asked it a question and it gave you the relevant answers to that thing. Is this thing bad? You're going to, it's going to pull up all the articles of those things that, that are negative. So you, you have like those different counterweights, but with the advent of YouTube and being able to hear stuff is a, is a huge advantage. And that was like when we were talking, I forget the guy that you sent me the link to that, um, where was he? He was in like some Eastern Bloc country. Oh, uh, Sylvania one, yeah. Yeah, Sylvania. And uh, like those guitars, that was great because the recordings were fantastic. You could tell that they did a mix of like direct and microphone so you could hear the resonance of the guitar. And it was like, wow, that you could hear each little nuance through each of those different models. And it's like, yeah, right. that one's more open sounding. This one's a little bit more, the electrics are taking, the electric part of it is taking prominence over the just the resonant part of it with the woods and that was like cool if i played jazz i'd be all super excited, you know at least i'll be here that's when... the thing like i know good electric guitars get harped on like well it's just the pickups or something like that but i in my experience is not true um how resonant the guitar is makes a difference in how the pickups pick up stuff um yeah. if, you, if you have pickups like right against the strings and the guitar's not resonant, very resonant, and whatever. They're like that's mostly just the pickups. Um, but if the pickups are kind of farther away, tend to get more of a woody sound. You can hear the guitar itself. 
Um, and I think particularly with arch tops, there's like a richness that's really, you just don't hear it in any other electric. So just, they don't sound the same. Yeah. And I don't think there's any way to mimic it. Um, because totally. there's, there's like a deepness to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you could somebody if you plugged in a some like an arch top, you'd you'd hear it right away. You'd hear, yeah, you you'd could have it. all the same electronics, same whatever else. I think you, you definitely can hear it. Yep. So it makes a difference. So yeah, I guess that's that's where I'm at with, with some of those things. <laughs> yeah, searching. It's like what are the options? Like in one sense, one of the things would be like where are the what are the must-haves? For like your guitar, what are the things that I, I got to have this, I got to have this, I got to have this, I got to have this. I don't know. You know, as far as they're, they're all like very like fluffy kind of concepts. Okay. Because I, I don't, I'm actually not ridiculously picky about how thick a neck is or not particularly picky about the fret, how big the frets are, etc. Um saying that i mean i want the I want it to be extremely well built you know so that um i get to choose how good the action is or not um if i wanted to take it all the way down um where it was buzzing out everywhere then i should be able to do that i feel like these are basics um the neck should be straight and all that stuff right the fretwork should be really high quality really well done no dead spots. I like the guitar, like anywhere on the fretboard, every note is just as loud as every other note kind of thing, you know, as much as possible. Um, I prefer a guitar that, you know, one of the things I, some guitars and it's kind of like a piano. It's like, say you hit the note, you hit a note and then you kill the note. Right now, some guitars just die right then, but other ones kind of like have this like little bit of like, mm. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. ding, you know, like it kind of like hangs in the air for a second. Yep. So those, that kind of quality I like, I want it to, to have that. I'm not intending to use like distortion and things like that either with this mm. particular guitar. So, um, I don't care that it might like be a little more feedback sensitive um, because that's not what it's for. Um, you know, so the things that I want, I want it to be extremely as dynamic as possible. Um, I hope it's very resonant. And, you know, I guess in a lot of ways, I, I want to be able to rely on whoever the builder is to say those things. I want to say like, you're the expert. I'm not going to tell you to put like boobinga on there or whatever, because I don't really care what it looks like. Like I, I don't, there's certain aesthetics that I do like more than others, but at the end of the day, if it looks relatively plain, but it's resonant, the notes are even, it has a little bit of like almost reverby sustained thing that happens on very resonant guitars. Um, the action's very easy to play. Like, what um, would you want for a radius? Like, I'm assuming like an eight eight inch radius is not 
something that would be yeah, I mean that's another one I'm not super picky about that but um I think about like okay so I have a bunch of guitars now which ones are the easiest to play um and which ones feel the nicest or whatever or I'm like where am I most at home you know and uh the flatter radiuses are more more home for me so I think I would go that route um I'm trying to think. Is there anything? Yeah, I'm. I'm curious about things like compound radius. I could never ever looked at that a little bit, but presumably it actually is better. Like you can actually get better action and blah 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 blah. But I don't think I have any. I've ever had a guitar with that, so I. I don't really have a strong opinion about it. Um. Yeah, another one is like, do you do something like fan frets? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's that? Oh, true, true temperament. True temperament would be pretty interesting, especially on a really resonant guitar. Yeah. Um, There's a compilation video of Johannes Mueller playing the same pieces on uh, regular guitar frets and the true temperament ones. And it's you can totally hear the difference. Oh, yeah. I almost want to say that the uh, true temperament is too calm compared to what we're used to hearing. <laughs> yeah, so I I know a few people that have them now. I've I've got friends that have a lot of them have like Strandbergs and stuff which you can get with the true temperament if you're right-handed. Yeah. And uh they're kind of like it is bad. they they really like it, but they're like you do lose a little bit of like the guitarness of it. Like there's certain yeah. guitarish things you're used to hearing. They're gone, you know. But I don't. I guess I don't really have. I don't really care about that so much. Yeah, I wouldn't um, be. Maybe that's easy to say. That's easy to say that I don't care, but I don't think I well, care. I think it's also a matter of how much our ears are accustomed to it. Like if a guitarist yeah. came out with true temperament from day one, we'd think the straight frets were like horrible. Awful. Yeah, right. Yeah, it would be like, oh, what do you mean you can't play a fourth fret harmonic and then fret the note and have it be in tune? <laughs> what the heck's your problem you know you scrub go get a real instrument yeah <laughs> whatever um so that uh i i think that is definitely a factor in with it because uh, that's the one thing that i noticed it was like the especially the bwd 1006 was just like the energy level even though he's a ferocious player and the beginning of the, the beginning of that is just like boom, da, 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 da. you know it's got all this energy the true temperament sounded so much calmer, hmm. so much calmer comparatively to right. the other one. And it, it had everything to do with just like, just the, those sense of differences, uh, C-E-N-T-S, you know, uh, in the notes made it more cohesive and pleasant to the ear versus the, the regular frets where that, those little bits off kind of like, Pulled you in a little bit, wanting to hear a, a resolution in one sentence. Um, so it'd be fun to play on it. Like I, I don't know if I'd get, I'd have to have one sitting that I can compare for a while before I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna get a guitar built yeah. exactly yeah. with the true temperament. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of the guys don't do it, right? Like I don't know if Thames does it, but the, uh, I don't know, I, well, like Strandberg or whatever they do it, but they just buy those fretboards. Yes, from exactly. the true temperament people, right? And they don't, I want to say they don't really care, right? Like, 
they're just buying the fretboard and they just install fretboard. But a lot of the, the custom builders, they're really hand carving and hand doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so they have their ways of doing it. They're probably not going to use that thing. See, and that's where the, the catch comes in. It's like, I can't imagine somebody being like, yeah, I'll totally cut those frets for you. Yeah. <laughs> like by hand. It's like, no, that's definitely a CNC machine that's doing oh. the, the, the level of precision that you need and consistency to, to crank those out is definitely not just some dude doing it by hand and following a diagram. You know, uh, my only concerns with those things are like, do they do them in stainless steel yet? Or are they still just the, the nickel frets? I don't know. Because that would wear out really quick. And I, I mean, not the, that quick. Quick enough, like comparative to a stainless steel. I mean, sure. I don't know. I mean, uh, that, that's, that's an interesting, you mentioned stainless steel. Well, like, would I get stainless steel frets? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of iffy on that one. I would. I mean, that's. I, my, I know, I guess half of my friends <laughs> that play guitar love them. And the other half loathe them to the point they're, they're like the worst things that ever were created. So, really? Yeah, because they say that it, it screws up the tone. There's like a pingy sound that you get with them that you can't get rid of. And hmm. it's just there. So, See, my, uh, the Taylor they, has that I ordered. Yeah, and I've never, I mean, I beat the hell out of the thing for a good 15 years, like playing this sh all the time on it, constantly. For, and I always thought that I was due for a refret. Like, I took it in to get work done recently when I got some cracks repaired. And I'm like, does this thing need a refret? Because I've played the heck out of it. He's like, I mean, the frets, you, he dressed them, but it didn't need a refret. Which I was kind of just like, really? Sure. I mean, I've uh, never got a refret before ever. So, yeah. I, I guess I haven't worried too much about it. Though I know I need refrets on at least two guitars, but, um, you know, I think that would be the other big thing is I would want to try out particular frets, like, with the idea of like comparing, like, okay, this is like you know whatever, like the sixty five hundred one versus the sixty four hundred whatever. The I can't yeah. remember all. Just to sit there and be like, oh, okay, so that's this, that's this, that's this, and have a frame of reference for what's uh, on my guitar. And is it? I'd be all about like high thin frets. Yeah. It sounds good in principle, yeah. So you wonder like, is it good in practice? Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, well, how do the hell do you try that? Not only how the hell do you try that as a right-handed person uh, going into a guitar store, you can measure them all and kind of like go with the models and try it out that way. Um, but as a left-handed person, it's like, how would I try it in any type of usable context? It's like just buy buy four of the same guitar. No, yeah, exactly, uh, and switch them all or, out. Order four carvings with, <laughs> with different ones, and and sell the ones you don't like. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, I I know personally, like I do have some guitars with jumbo frets. I have like two. Most of them have smaller frets. And then like the Gretsch has like super small frets. But the it's like the smaller the fret is, the better your intonation is too. Because you're not pushing the string down and like it's not getting bent a little bit. And on those jumbo frets, 
I mean, just even pressing down too hard changes the pitch. Yep. Right? Like if you press down like normal, almost like it changes the pitch. And so you have to, um, like they do, they are a little bit easier to play, but then what's the compromise maybe? And I know the tall, the tall ones too. The tall, thin ones are the same way. Yeah. You got to watch how much pressure you're putting down on the string. And then scallop fretboard was like that too. Really like that. I I never tried it. I never had the chance to play in a scallop fretboard. I think I said, I mentioned before that one of the first guitars I bought was like that. Yeah, Kramer used to make a the Focus two thousand, I think it was maybe this one thousand. You could buy like factory with a scallop fretboard. That would be wild, and that that could be something I could see that I would like because I've been learning to play super light. Yeah, and so that would be like, oh look, I can get all these crazy licks without any effort. You know, that would be there's a there's a really funny well, so there's a really funny um interview like Guitar Magazine or somebody did where it's Ingve and John McLaughlin. Huh. And John's shock D like acoustic guitar has scallop frets. Okay. And Ingve's known for having them. And they were like, Oh, do you like the guitar guys like so you have these because it's like so much easier to play or whatever? And they're like, No, it's not that at all. They're like the reason we have it is it makes doing vibrato so much better. Like you can do, you have so much more control over the vibrato and blah blah blah. So it's pretty <laughs> interesting, you know. And I and I say that too. Like I don't remember it being any easier to play with the scallop fretboard. Um, yeah. it was certainly harder to play in tune. <laughs> yeah, I it, was, it was much it was much harder to play in tune. But I don't think I don't think it was easier to play. I don't I don't remember it being like, oh wow, everything just like. Yeah. And actually, I have I made a scallop fretboard. Do you remember that project? One second. <laughs> I think so. Is this the one you're doing with your kids? Oh, hang on, everybody. He's he's going to get it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I I, don't, I remember you telling me about this. You and your kids painted it and everything. Like, didn't you and your kids play that? Yeah, so my daughters and I kind of messed with this guitar. But if you can see... Oh, yeah, look at that. Um, I scalloped this fretboard. Um, this guitar does not play that well. Um, but... You know, it's funny. This has jumbo frets on it. I really look too. So, jumbo and scalloped. How did you scallop it? I. Well, one, this is like a hundred dollar guitar, so yeah. not a huge deal to if it broke or something. But I had this um, drill bit thing that was like just the size of the frets. There was hmm. a sander, like a sander bit. So I was able to go like right. I taped these up, and then I like went in there. Huh. Cool. Yeah. It's a cool looking guitar, right? There is not another one out there like that. Huh? <laughs> it's Actually, cool though. It doesn't really work. I need to like all the electronics are just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then I'm looking at the actions really high right now, but. Uh, 
And somebody didn't cut the strings off the top. Yeah, I was gonna say you're getting like, you, you, all you have to do is like do it like a paperclip, man. You don't even need a string cutter. But anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, but I mean, like you can, I could feel it there though, like for vibrato and stuff, like doing big bends and whatever. It just feels like glass, basically. Crazy, crazy huge bend out of that. I can yeah. see why, you know. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like for your search, you have tons of options that you uh, uh, can insane. potentially. Yeah, it's like it's almost paralyzing the amount that you could do. Yeah, and, I'm gonna. I'm, so then, then there's there's two sides of that too because there's one guitar I'm looking at. and I'm gonna not use the name yet. Yeah. Which is probably one thing I'm gonna go for, which is not really an arch top. Um, but a well-known, respected builder makes pretty unique guitar that, in a lot of ways, you know, maybe suits my thing that I normally do more, or where mm -hmm. you know this sort of like fusion jazz hybrid metal thing or something. Um, but it, I, I don't know, I. So I might do that. Probably more like more than likely do that, and then kind of hold on the arch top. It's also a f it's still expensive, but not nothing like an arch top price, which are more in the like six to eight thousand dollar range, just to kind of get going. Yeah. Um, and you know, all these places too, they have twelve to eighteen month lead time. Um. Yeah, and, and really, that's like, I don't want to say it's entry-level archtop territory in terms of price. These are more like, this is the player grade. This is like real players, like real musician grade level. The next tier, the, the, the other tiers, like, just musicians just can't afford them. They're in the 15 to 20 grand range. They're mostly collectors, I think, that buy those. Doesn't mean they're not better. They might actually be better. Um, but unless the people that are buying them are, are pretty famous and getting like a deal on it, so to speak. Um, they're really not, you know, player level. Like you said, uh, people are like spending yeah. like 30 grand on a guitar is it's tough. Yes, it's um, so you look at like the Manzers or something like that. Like would I love to have a Manzer arch top or acoustic? Like, yeah, yes. I would. <laughs> and that's like a three year wait time. Probably if she, you know, can even do that. And then, well, uh, Gammon's 10 years. Which one? Gammon. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like 10 year wait. Uh, yeah, did I, I did, right. They're just ridiculous wait times. And you're like, man, are they going to live that long? Yeah, well, <laughs> but uh, that's the first thing, it's like, what's their clause if you die, dude? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, you know, do I get my money back? Preferably with interest, you know? Sure. Uh, but, you know, yeah, there's a lot of builders. I mean, in the archtop world, it, and the same with classical guitar, right? Twenty grand is not uncommon to see. No, not at all. And I, I think like the like, in one sense, a ten-year wait on a forty thousand-dollar instrument is like, oh, thank God, I can afford to pay for this thing. Yeah, and right. Sell out forty k to just walk away with the instrument. It's like, oh, that's not going to happen. But spread out over ten years is a little bit like, all right, if I'm smart, I can and don't go yeah. out to eat. I can afford to pay for that. Yeah, put four grand a year on it, and you're good. Yeah. You know, and uh, so there's some of the lead times are actually nice and relieving because it's like, oh, okay. Like when I built my Thames, it was like, uh, 
I don't have the money for the whole thing right now, but I want to order it. And he's like, yeah, I, I just give me like 500 bucks now or whatever the number was. I don't yeah, remember. Right. That. Yeah. Most of them are like a thousand bucks or so. Get started. Yeah. Six months into it, half of it was due. And then the other half before it was done or, or after it was done. I think, I think a lot of that too is like, well, lefty, it might be harder, but I think a lot of the righties, the thousand dollars, even on like an $8,000 instrument, even if the person backs out, they know they'll sell it with a, yeah. with a lot of these builders. So they, that's enough to cover the materials. So they're not out of money, I think, um, or at least pretty close. And then uh, <laughs> it's like they don't have to worry about it too much about selling it, depending on who the builder is. Because yeah. a lot of people, especially if they have like an eight, 18 month window or whatever, they're not going to have a hard time selling a guitar. Yeah, well, that's uh, the the other person that I know that has a Damon that actually substituted uh, for Steve when Steve went on a sabbatical. Uh, she ended up buying hers off the shelf, type of thing. Like she was going to get one through the wait list, and then somebody was like, "I got one. It's not my thing." He's like, "It's not a bad guitar in any way, shape, or form, but it's not me." And so they they had it out there, and she she's like, "Okay," and just tried it, bought it, and done. You know, and 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 had that. So sure. that totally, I think that's completely common. Like it just might not be your thing, but somebody else is out there and doesn't want to wait and has the money. Problem solved. Unless you're lefty. Uh, unless you're lefty. No, it's uh, yeah, even then. You know, it all depends. I've been half tempted to throw my barnet out there to see what I could get for it. Well, you know, you see, uh, like, why does Strandberg not make lefties? And you think like anymore? Like they're really like either stopped completely or there's slow down and when you when you see the stuff for, i think is what is it ola strangberg i think it's his name yeah. he's like so many people so many lefties back out when they do it they like they don't sell them yeah which is funny because as you know like as soon as a strangberg goes on like reverb.com or something right. like a lefty one it's gone like in a day and they're overpriced too and they're overpriced like the last but one was when up- they do these like these short order builds and they have to get like 30 or 40 or whatever to make it worthwhile. Like a lot of people back out and that's when it's, it's cause lefties just, there's not that many people buying. Seriousness. Maybe not. Well, yeah. I mean, you're taking like what? Okay. So that's 10% of the guitar playing population is left-handed. So that's one out of every 10. That Probably less might- than that. Right. Because, exactly. I mean, ten percent is left-handed just in general, and like half left-handers play right-handed. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, and then you got the ones that then you're going to take another percentage off of the ones that are going to like want a higher-end instrument. Then you're going to have who can afford that? Yeah. And then, like so, you're wind whittle, whittling down all these numbers in terms of potential clientele plus other people competing with it. You know, like. I mean, same with like, PRS. They basically don't make lefties. They do a lot on the C's, but not on the on the yeah. customs. But I mean, I haven't done a custom in a while. I don't think a lefty run. They the custom twenty four, like their flagship model, yeah. are all build to order, anyways. Like, oh, if, are guy, they? if you're if I owned a music shop, I would spec it out and have them build it for me, and then I'd sell it at my place, like as a retailer. But uh, yeah, those aren't like because I looked at it 
at uh, Sweetwater, I was talking, you know, the typical tire kicking and talking to my Sweetwater sales engineer guy. And uh, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they don't like push them out. We order them type of thing. And so they have a, a, the right hand is obviously selling it. That's just the way that it is. But he's like, yeah, you could get an SE custom 24 for like $800 ish, you know, cheaper if you find it on reverb, so on. But, you know, that's the SE. It's their their lower end, right. which is a bad guitar, but it's not. Yeah, like, so I, I tried a bunch of those. So those are made in the same factory, I, from what I understand, is like the Schecters and the maybe the Ibanezes too, um, which is good. Like they're really nice guitars. But I I tried a bunch of those PRSs, the SEs. I mean, they were nothing. I my experience with real PRSs, so to speak was very like whoa yeah and these were like "Eh," like i didn't really notice a difference between that and a schecter or something you know i yeah i I think i think the schecter was actually nicer the ones i've tried than any of the prs se's that i tried um there was something about them i was like "Mm, i don't think i would get this yeah i was this close like this close to buying one of them and i my thing with a, a an electric guitar is like how often do i play these things like yeah, sure. it's just rare for me to be like if i had disposable in, income like crazy right, like, yeah. of course yeah your walls would look more like this yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not trying to take that tim no <laughs> i got uh, everything that you have there is by the way do you want to buy this mesa it's for sale yeah i i, I might actually do that i've been kicking around amps but I'm also kicking around headphones and kicking around another classical and kicking around having my wife keep me in the house. So Actually, the, Mar- the Marshall's for sale too. You want a two for a deal? Definitely not interested in the Mar- Marshall. Not that I'm anti-Marshall, but it's not what I'm going but for. But you are anti-Marshall. No, I'm into the nostalgia of missing my old Mesa that I sold. So, and that's the one that I recently sold the 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 uh, Subway Rocket at the uh, what's the the. Uh, dual rectifier tremor verb that was that was an awesome amp but it was also like 80 pounds and carrying it up and down stairs for gigs and or getting back to my apartment was not i mean that reminds me (laughs) i got recently i I wanted to get a small like more jazz combo so i got a dv mark jazz amp the 12 inch one and uh it came this week and i got a good deal was used and i paid like half as much as they are new um anyway i have upstairs i have my fender hot rod deluxe Mm -hmm. i have a boss katana which i really don't like that amp very much but anyway and then i have this dv mark so i had my daughter come over i'm like hey pick pick these up i'm like start with the fender she picked it up she likes dying like trying to pick it up it's i think it's like 60 pounds yeah maybe or something like that then the katana is probably 12 pounds she picked that up she's like oh look this is real easy i'm like i'll oh, pick up the dv mark and she was like <laughs> she's like this is this real she's like this feels fake it it feels like you're just picked like a cardboard box up it's amazing that's awesome though that's you're like great. you could easily you could pick it up with your pinky like no problem at all like you just it wouldn't. It wouldn't even matter. It'd be so easy. That would be cool. I'm like, actually, I was a little worried. Like when I got the box, I'm like, 
the the UPS driver's just like <laughs> carrying it like this or whatever. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right. This is not. And then he right. gave it to me, and I'm like, is there anything in this box? <laughs> like. Is there... <laughs> it's like you know you might have all this the amps and everything else stacked up but like that guitar case that that's sitting in would be what one of those one of those amps would cost or twice as much as what you paid for the uh um the one that you just got oh yeah Yeah, but that's just the nature of it you know it's like i'm not that jealous of everything because you also have to move it around (laughs) yeah but uh, it's still like you know, I got my. I I think I've hit my happy accessibility of guitar numbers. It's like I got my main concert guitar. I got my teaching guitar over there. The Taylor, two electrics, and a, a bass, and a uh, your beater classical and my beater classical. So I think we're good with that. And you just you have to get your gem, like your your flagship guitar. Right. So, yeah. Still so, fighting that one. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually, I'd be happy to get rid of just basically everything. Um, I think we were talking about that earlier. I think it's it's actually kind of a a bummer in a lot of ways to have more. Because I, I end up, it's like you kind of like grab one and you kind of hang out with it for a while. And then you're like, oh, I haven't tried that other one for a while. And then you'd use that for a while. And you never really, I kind of miss the days when I only had like one. <laughs> one and you just had to like learn the guitar i mean you learned everything about it because you played it all the time that's the only thing you had yeah that's like my taylor i know new inside and out because that that, that yeah. was my guitar. and then i got the the thames and that's like i mean that's been my main guitar for 14 years sure is all that i've been practicing on like constantly and that's the one of the I, I think we talked about it the other day i was like you know that difference between the 640 and the 650 is crazy like if i try to play something the same piece on a 650 i'm just just enough off where i'll miss stuff you know because i'm just my muscle memory is so sure and then it's like oh wait no it's that much further it's like you can't just do that now i I think some of that's because the classical is pretty unforgiving as well like you don't probably only take you a couple days right and you would readjust yeah, maybe less that, maybe it only take you an hour or whatever and you readjust but it's about two days to feel really confident on it because when I, we were on vacation i took the barnet not the thames because i didn't want to be panicking about what's up with my guitar all the time um and uh the uh it took me about yeah by the second day i was pretty acclimated to it so the funny thing is is there's some stretches i definitely couldn't do that i could the stretches that were like a real stretch on the Thames were like not happening on the Barnett. It's just like, nope. So, uh, but you know, that's something probably if I took three weeks of working it out, I could get that reach back, but I'm not going to really push myself on that type of instrument. But all in all, ordering a custom instrument is a hell of a lot of fun. It's even better the smaller the maker. Um, you know, in one sense, the, the, the counter, the good things about, ordering it from an, a bigger established company is you're generally the quality control is going to be within sure. a small margin, you know, with a smaller luthier, the less experienced they are, the quality control gets a lot wider. Right. You know, you can, and then you think too, like, okay, if you bought something from Taylor and it was a lemon, like you could call Taylor and be like, man, this is doing this and this. And they're like, Oh, we'll just send you another one. Right. <laughs> and then you could switch, you could swap it out. Or like Sweetwater or whoever will swap it for you. But with a custom one, it's like, well, what happens if it's not 
Very good. That's the it's thing. Like, what if it's like, oh man, this is really bad. <laughs> you know, which can happen. You know, everybody, yeah. it, human factor goes way, way up when you're dealing with one guy versus like a, a whole machine shop of guys using particular formulas and, you know, machinery to do that. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with that. But the more experience somebody has, those become less and less and less and less and less. Sure. We talked about that colleague of mine whose dad is a builder and uh, his first guitars were guitars. And then he had this run of like a couple of them that were stunningly good. Just like, wow. Okay. And especially with the money that it, cause it like cost half as much as my Thames, but it sounded phenomenal. And it's yeah. like, hey, that's cool. And then it went to back to not to as bad as, and I, I, I bad's the wrong word. Um, just not as good as his, the, the gems that kind of came out of it. You know, they were about like 75% of those. And then as time went on, he's worked his way back up to that particular thing. So, you know, it, that's sure. If you get a, a small builder that's just starting out, you can pay a quarter of the cost and get an absolute, it could get an absolutely phenomenal instrument. Or you could get something that's pretty lousy that you paid a quarter of the price for that the guy is still learning and that's just what you get. Um, that's that thing. But if, you know, they're after, I, I would hope after like 300 guitar builds that it's pretty consistent with that. Uh, and I'm just shouting 300 as a number, you know, not like I have. Yeah, like sure. A, um, so, you know, you, you run that risk with a small Uthier, but the pluses are you get a lot more TLC from the guy that's building it. Like you can, I mean, I used to call Thames and just talk, you know, outside of like, and he's like, I got to get back to building and bothering me. You know, <laughs> not really. He never said anything like that. But, um, you know, it's like you, you can build the rapport. You can say what you want, what you don't want in it. You can see literal pictures of the process. I mean, granted, what Kiesel does that now, but um, pictures of the process, look at it, uh, hear different sound blurbs from it. You know, if he's like tapping on it and you want to get that, they'll, if they're, um, up for it they'll just record it and send it out you know it's a, sure. there's all things that can happen with that so you can and you get kind of and, and in one sense you're locked in with that that guitar and that guy or whoever like or whoever uh builder for the the rest of that guitar's life and and their their lives it's like uh it's that's what's cool about it so and th then generally you're also getting a lot more attention on your instrument yeah you know whereas the factory yeah. one it's like we're going to have it out in six weeks that goes from this guy to this guy to this guy to do this. And then, it, then it's there, there, sure. you know, this is him. And he's like, no, I'm still tweaking it. Still working on it. Still working on this. Da, 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 da. And that's it. Yeah. And I know, I mean, pretty much everyone that I've talked to they're they're like, yeah, I mean, they, they like to, they want to get to know you, like what mm -hmm. kind of stuff you like, you know, they're trying to translate your words of like, well, I want it to be resonant and woody. And then they're, yeah, exactly. and they're like, exactly. well, what does that mean to you? Cause that might mean something different to them. So they're exactly. trying to figure out what is that? What does that actually mean? That was the one thing though, when you were using your descriptions, I'm like, you're going to have to be a little bit more precise with those. It's uh, that, well, uh, but I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how. Yeah, exactly. That's a, it's like, how do you, it would be like, and the only thing that I can think of in terms of comparison is to point out other guitars. Like, I, I like this sound out of this one and this one out of this one. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, it's the same thing as defining band sounds. It's like, oh, they sound like this. Sure. But they're different in this regard. It's the same thing with, you got to have some type of 
thing that everybody can hear and be like, oh, okay, and then base it off of that. So, you know, and the, it's it's cool. It's a great process. It's the longest freaking year of your life. <laughs> you know, it's like you send the money and then you're like, true. Yeah, must I mean, forget, other, must like, forget about this. <laughs> exactly. The only other longest wait was like after we set the wedding date. You know, then that it, then that was like. So I've been through that. I've been through the baby thing a couple times. Yeah, so. Baby thing, uh, baby thing wasn't that. I mean, it it was kind of a wait, but we had the easy waiting. <laughs> like our wives had the oh, sure. had all the hard job. We're just kind of like, can I can I still drink this beer? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing that that I don't like. Like that. Is it coming? When is it coming? And it, yeah, like, I'm, wondering, I, I'm wondering when the buyers are more comes in i i never like, had that i never know like it's like oh crap did i order the right thing or whatever i got the guitar i i had it mailed to a church that i was working for at the time because i wasn't going to be home and i was in like downtown and it's like i don't want ups or dhl or whatever it was dropping it off to so just like leave this multi-thousand dollar instrument out or i don't want my roommate to get it i want it to be me so i had it sent to the church where the secretary was definitely going to be there so you know i got the phone call or i was tracking it and got the phone it was, oh it's there you know it's like stopped everything it's like i'm not coming in today click right. <laughs> and showed up and uh picked up the guitar and that was just that was pretty wild it's like what do i how do i get the most out of it and that was the other thing is like learning to adjust to that type of instrument and the, the power that was in it. And I know that sounds really esoteric, but it's, uh, there's a, there was so much that I didn't know how to access because I was playing on something else for so long. It sure. didn't have abilities. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, like I can get that loud on this thing? Like if I dig in this way and, you know, okay. You know, like learning all those specifics of what makes that guitar tick. And I think I got it pretty well figured out by now you know <laughs> with that and what strings work well uh how i like the action set on it you know what uh where my the, the native fretting hand is you know and, and where i'm i'm putting that type of thing in the fret you know i had to retrain for all that sure but it really it, it was great you know it's just like I, I i never had buyer's remorse you know i didn't like sending the money but that wasn't buyer's remorse where it was like oh man what did i do it was like Okay, now I just gotta wait. Where is it? Sure. Where is it? Where is it? So, that's that. Fun stuff. Cool. Yeah, Fun maybe, stuff. maybe I'll know more next time we talk. <laughs> maybe you know, if, if will Tim make a decision by next week? Let's have a poll going. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Oh, was I supposed to press record? No, I was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ongoing joke. Thank you, Knob Creek, for the jokes. Yes. <laughs> See y'all next time. Peace.